Good morning. So thankful to see you all here this morning. Uh, it's our first service of 2021. We've got 2020 behind us in the rear view. So thankful for that. Some challenges we had all year. It's been a tough year. And uh, just uh, pray 2021 will be a better, a better year. Um, if you're visiting with us this morning, we're so thankful that you're here. And we invite you back in any opportunity that you may have. If you're, if you're joining us virtually this morning, so thankful that you've all decided to join us, and we're, uh, we just hope that uh, that you'll be back with us soon, and uh, hopefully we'll get this virus under control where we can all get back together again. The order of our worship this morning will be Tommy, Brother Tommy Johnson will lead us in our opening prayer, um, Randy Painter will lead us in one song, and then Brother Mark Howell will bring us the lesson of the hour, and then Luke Wright will close us at the end of our service. We'll enter into our worship now. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege that has been ours, granted to us this morning to assemble and worship you. We're so grateful, Father, for everything that you do for us. We're grateful, Father, for everything that you provide for us. We're grateful, Father, that we live in a nation where we have the freedoms that we have and enjoy to be able to do just exactly as this. Father, you have blessed us so greatly, but we know, Father, that Times are difficult now because of COVID-19. We know, Father, that there are many that would like to be here this morning, but because of their health issues are afraid to be here, so they choose to watch virtually and worship with us in that manner. And we pray, Father, that at some point in the future, very near future, that the vaccine that's being distributed can be done so quickly and swiftly so that we can try to get back to a point of some normalcy Maybe not exactly as it was before, but some kind of normalcy where we can be able to assemble together, all of us together again. Thank you for the material blessings that are ours to enjoy. Thank you, Father, for the spiritual blessings that are ours to enjoy. Thank you for your holy word. Thank you, Father, that we can look at it and study it and understand it simply and know exactly what you would have us to do, how you would have us to live to act and to be and to think and to speak as Christians should. We pray, Father, that as we enter into a new world that we can be better servants of yours, doing your bidding, doing your will each and every day. We're mindful, Father, of so many that are sick, so many on our prayer list, and we pray for them, Father, that you would bless them in the manner and means that they're in need of. We pray, Father, those that are suffering that have COVID-19, that you would bless them and help them be restored back to their walks of life. Help us, Father, to open our hearts up this morning to worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us, Father, to individually and collectively, as your spiritual family here, give our greatest and our best to you this morning as we worship you. Bless Mark as he brings your word to us this morning. Help us, Father, to always do your will and to be better servants of yours. For it's through your Son we pray. Amen. This morning, if you're using your book, we'll be singing number 612. And the invitation song will be number 907. 907. If you will, please stand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> 
I found my Lord and he is mine. He won me by his love. I'll serve him all my years of time and dwell with him above. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight. His blessings ever I've tried the road of sin and found its prospects all deceived. I've proved the Lord and joys abroad more than I could believe. His yoke is easy, his burden is light. I found it so, I found it so. His service is my sweetest delight, his blessing Good morning. It's so good to see everyone today. So thankful you're able to be here. Appreciate the fact that you've chosen to be here with us. And I know that there have been some who've been in COVID quarantine and they're able to be back with us. But we appreciate the fact that all of us are able to be together today. Now, as we'll go ahead and begin our lesson, we all know, and it's already been mentioned this morning, that we started out on a new year. This is our first service of the new year. And so that means we have a new journey in front of us. Now, and with that in mind, I know that there are people here who like to sometimes go down to Gulf Shores, don't you? Like to spend a day or two down there, down at the beach, down, you know, just relaxing or whatever. Back in October, Marlene and I got to spend a couple of days down there, a few days down there, and we enjoyed not being around anybody, just being back in our uh, condo and just relaxing, just being away from everything and everybody. But you know what? It's about 325 miles, according to Google Maps, that uh, if you leave here from Midway and go down to Gulf Shores, it's about 325 miles. But now, about halfway is Fort Deposit. You pass through Fort Deposit, or at least you go by it on the, on the interstate. But suppose you decided that you're going down to Gulf Shores, and you get down to about Fort Deposit, and you say, ah, this is far enough. I think we're going to turn around. We may just stop off for a minute here and, you know, run in. Or, or we may even just spend the week here, you know, rather, rather than going all the way down to Gulf Shores. We may just go ahead and spend the week here. Well, you know, as we do that, we, we, we may get some pretty good candies or pecans and things like that at Priester's. But you're not going to be able to see the beaches, and you're not going to be able to see the Gulf, and you're not going to be able to get any of that Gulf seafood sitting there on the porch at Priesters. I guarantee you that. But as we think about that, we know sometimes people go halfway in doing things. We can read about a man who, in the Bible, who went just a little more than halfway, and it may surprise you, maybe you've studied it and thought about it, 
but there's a man in the Bible that went just a little bit more than halfway. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you may want to turn with us to the book of Genesis, chapter 11, and we're reading now in this particular passage about a man by the name of Terah, that is Abram's or Abraham's father, and we're reading about his family and what he is doing. But I want you to pay close attention to what is said in Genesis chapter 11, and uh, we'll look at verses 27 through 32. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah, Terah in the land of his kindred in Ur of the Chaldees. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and daughter of Haran, and father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, uh, uh, daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. Now they left, they left Ur of the Chaldees. This is still why Terah is alive. And now they have left Ur of the Chaldees to go somewhere. And where is it that they intend to go? They're intending to go to Canaan. The Bible goes on and says, But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died there. Now if you look at it on a map, when we get to Haran, we're looking at just a little bit over, halfway from Ur of the Chaldees, to where they had set out to go. They had just gone about halfway. In other words, as we were talking about and illustrating this morning, we left midway to go to Gulf Shores, but we got down to about priesters or a little bit more uh, passport deposit. As we think about all of this this morning, it's that time of year when a lot of folks like to set goals. We're setting out on a new journey, if you will, in this life, in this year, and we like to set goals, don't we? And there's nothing wrong with setting goals. Many are good and admirable goals, and, and they're worthy of being achieved. They're the things that we probably need to do in our life. But our challenge is not just to make goals or to set the goals, but to keep them. And I don't have to preach this morning. I don't have to talk about how that by next week some of the goals that people have set for the new year, they already will have quit. They won't even have gone halfway. They, they really are not even getting out of the starting block. But as we think about our goals, there's some things that we need to consider this morning. As we do that, let's understand that a good beginning is not enough. It's not enough just to start out, to have a goal and to start out. Now, let's look at a few things in regard to that. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 through 6. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? 
as we look at that passage, it tells us basically this, don't just start out, but if you say that you're going to do something, in this case, if you make a vow to God, make sure you carry through with that vow. Make sure that you do what you say that you're going to do. Now that tells us what we said, that's the point that we're making, that a good beginning is not enough. A good beginning was to say that I'm going to do this or that, and we may even say that before God, but a good beginning isn't enough. We have to follow through. An illustration is found in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. Let's go to Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. And here it is that Jesus, through John, is speaking to the angel of the church at Smyrna. He said to the angel of the church at Smyrna, write the words of the first and last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you're rich, and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Now, stop right here and think about what Jesus is saying to this church. He said, I know what you're doing. I've seen what you're doing. I understand what you're doing. In comparison to the church at uh, Laodicea who thought that they were rich, we talked about them a week or so ago, they thought they were rich, but Jesus says about these people that they are rich, even though they're poor in this world's goods. But in spiritual life, they are rich in what they are doing. And so I think it would be fair for us to say that these people have started out well. They've started out doing a good job in their Christianity. But then we come to verse number 10. Verse number 10. And in verse number 10, Jesus continues on and says, Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Do you see what Jesus is saying to the church? He said, you've started out well, but you've got to keep going. You've got to keep on going. Now notice that he says here in this passage that they are to be faithful unto death. A lot of people like to look at that and say, well, you know, they need to be faithful for the rest of their life. No matter how long that life would be, they need to continue to be faithful for that long. But that's not what Jesus said here. Jesus in this context says some of you are about to go through some very bad things. He said, Satan is after you. Satan is trying to turn you away from God. And he says, and remember that the book of Revelation is written in signs and symbols. And so when he says that you're about to go through ten days of tribulation, didn't mean that they were going through a week and a half. It meant that they were going through a period of time when they would be persecuted and persecuted very harshly. And he says that in the midst of that, even if it cost you your life, you have to keep on doing what you're doing now. You have to keep on pressing forward 
even if it cost you your life. The idea of being persecuted, unto, or rather uh, being faithful unto death, is uh, a, a term that can be used and is used in other places. And the Apostle Paul used it in the book of Acts chapter 22 at verse number 4 when he was talking about his persecution of the church. Now notice that he said, I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women. Now obviously Paul didn't pursue them until the end of his life. And Paul wasn't, uh, was, he wasn't pursuing to persecute them until the end of their life and then just let them die off peacefully. But we all know, we all understand what Paul is saying. The same phrase that's used in the book of Revelation that the church at Smyrna was to observe, Paul uses that phrase here in Acts chapter 22. We know that he said that I persecuted them to death. I took them out out to prison and even testified against them and had them put to death. And that's what was about to happen to some that we read about in the book of Revelation. And Jesus said, what you have to do is to keep on moving forward. Doing what you already are doing. Don't stop halfway. That's what Jesus is telling this church. From what Jesus says to the church at Smyrna, He expected a follow-through. A follow-through. Again, not halfway, but following through. Jesus plainly tells them that they're about to go through difficult times. It's not hypothetical for them. It is a reality. You're going through some hard times. The devil is actively working against you in the most powerful and painful ways that he possibly can. And they're promised the crown of life but only if they stayed the course all the way to the end. You see, a good beginning is not enough. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Now notice the first part of that reading. I press on toward the goal. Paul didn't say, I'm stopping halfway or I've made it halfway and, you know, I'm sort of relaxing. Paul says, I press on. What does it mean to press on? What word did Paul use here that he is expressing to you and me some 20 centuries later? What word did he use? Now, I'll define the word for you as it's defined in the, the original. To run swiftly in order to catch some person or thing. And it's not, does it stop there? To run uh, swiftly in order to catch some person or thing. But the idea is for either a friendly or a hostile purpose. What do you mean 
to run swiftly to catch something either for a friendly or a hostile purpose. Well, let's go back to that Acts chapter 22, verse 4 again. Just read it a minute ago. We talked about Paul said he persecuted the way to death. But we're interested not in the to death part necessarily right now. We're interested in the first part of that verse. Paul said, I persecuted. Do you realize that the same word that's translated persecuted here is the word that Paul uses in Philippians to say that I press on. With the same intensity that he persecuted the Christians before he became an apostle, he is now pressing on, persecuting the way, if you will, in order to get to heaven. That's the intensity that Paul has in mind. In Acts chapter 26 at verse 11, he said, And I punished them often in all the synagogues and tried to make them blaspheme, and in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. There we see the aspect of the persecution where Paul is chasing after them. And again, that's the same term that's used in the book of Philippians that we read just a moment ago. And so Paul is saying that we have to press on, we have to persecute on, if you will, not in a bad sense, but in a good sense, in order to reach the goal, in order to attain the prize. And so as we look at Paul, he is an example to us. He pressed on toward reaching his eternal goal. And folks, he's not about to stop halfway. If we know anything from our reading in Scripture about the Apostle Paul, we know he didn't stop halfway. And so that's where you and I are at the beginning of this new year. It's not that we make goals, but we have to press on to reach the goals. We don't realize necessarily what is, this year is going to entail. At the beginning of 2020, we didn't think about a, uh, a pandemic coming on and not being able to meet together for a time and all of us sitting in the pews this morning wearing masks, sitting six foot apart, you know, if we're not family members. We didn't anticipate that. Thankfully, we were able to press on through it in 2020. And no matter what 2021 holds, you and I can't stop halfway. But then not only that this morning, we have to be diligent to keep, or actually, uh, we have to be like Jesus, or if we're going to be like Jesus, I'll get it out here in a second. If we're going to be like Jesus, we must not stop halfway. I want to use Jesus this morning to, to illustrate to us the pressing all the way through, the going forward. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And he said to them, talking to his parents, Why are you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Now that's the English Standard translation of it. If you go to the New King James, he said to them, Why do you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my Father's business? As we look at it, we know that at a very early age, at the age of 12, Jesus knew he had a mission. He had goals in mind that he had to achieve. And so he started out 
at least at 12, we know, in seeking to achieve those goals. And he would live to be around 33 years old. And so for all of those intervening years, Jesus continued to pursue the goals that had been set before him. And so now we we think about him as a young man, and he's beginning his journey of pleasing God, doing the will of God. But look at Matthew chapter 15, verse number 17. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Have you ever thought about this as a goal that Jesus has? He didn't come to take the Old Testament away, just do away completely with it with nothing, you know, no no reason. But he came to live a life to show that it could be done. To live that perfect life, to keep God's will perfectly. But as we look at Jesus, think about it. This is his goal that he is setting out to do. Look at Luke chapter 19 at verse number 10. Very simple passage, short passage. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As we look at his life and we read about it in the New Testament, what was Jesus' purpose seemingly every day of his life that we read about? He's reaching out to seek the lost. But our point this morning is, this is his goal. Look at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who were through fear, or who through fear of death, were subject to lifelong slavery. Do you see the goal that is set out for Jesus, is said to have been the goal of Jesus, that we read here in the book of Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15? What was his goal? Well, his goal was destroy the one who has the power of death. And he did that, didn't he? After living that perfect life, he was crucified, put into the ground, and on that Sunday morning, he came out of it. His goal. We can go on and on. Look at Matthew chapter 9 at verse 13. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is looking out to those who need his help. That's his goal. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 38. He said to them, Let's go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus has goals in mind over and over and over again. We see that Jesus has these goals in mind. But I ask you this morning, what if Jesus had stopped halfway? And just these things that we've read this morning, what if he had stopped halfway? What if he had failed to pursue God's business all the way to the end? What if he had failed to fulfill the Old Testament? 
What if he just quit seeking to save the lost? What if he quit before he defeated the devil and death? What if he stopped calling sinners to repentance? What if he chose to stop preaching before he told us how to be saved? What if Jesus had stopped halfway? He didn't. And to be like Jesus, we can't stop halfway either. As a matter of fact, Jesus expressed gratification that he had accomplished the goals that he had set out to accomplish. Have you ever thought about that? Look at two verses with me. John 17, verse 4, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. He accomplished his goals. Look at John 19, verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He went all the way to the end. And like Him, if we want to be like Him, we can't stop halfway either. But then, not only that, we have to be diligent to keep moving forward. We have to be diligent to keep moving forward. If we stop moving forward, wherever it is that we are, that's where we are. When we stop moving forward, maybe we stopped halfway. Maybe we stopped just before we got across the finish line. But we have to be diligent to keep moving forward. Now, how do we do that? Let me list a few things and then the lesson will be yours this morning. Number one, we must know where we're going. We have to know where we're going. What are your goals for this year? What do you intend to do? Drift through the year? Do nothing? Achieve nothing? Now, all, all of our goals that we have have to have this caveat attached to it that we read in the book of James, if the Lord wills. Every single one of them has to have that attached to it. But do we know where we're going? Sometimes it helps us to write down our goals. It, it helps to keep them handy, to reflect on them so that we'll know and see the progress that we are making or perhaps that we're not making. Maybe sometimes we have to set a deadline in order to achieve certain things so that we know that we're still moving forward. But we've got to know where we're going. Number two, we must guard against becoming discouraged. Do you suppose Paul ever got discouraged? Do you think he may have gotten discouraged when he was stoned? When he was shipwrecked? When he was beaten and even left for dead? Do you think it was possible for Paul to have gotten discouraged in any of those things? I do. I'm not sure how he kept getting up and going forward a lot of times. He must have had that discouragement that he had to fight. He's not the only person of God that ever had to fight discouragement. Jeremiah had to fight discouragement. God's prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha both, had to fight discouragement. What about Moses and the discouragement that he had to face? But as we look and we think about Paul, all of the things in the New Testament that we read about him, surely there was some possibility of discouragement. Thankfully, he didn't allow his discouragement to keep him from pressing on to the Lord. 
as we read just a few moments ago from the book of Philippians chapter 3. Paul said, I keep pursuing it. I keep persecuting forward, pressing forward in order to make it. Number three, we must be willing to make changes and sometimes change our plans. Think about 2020. Anybody have to change any plans for 2020? You know, when we met, met, the elders and I met back in, uh, I guess, October maybe, September, October of 2019, there were a lot of things that we put on paper that we had to not do because our our, our plans had to change. But we have to be willing not only to change plans, sometimes we have to make changes in our own life. It amazes me to sometimes go to some business and watch a cashier struggle to make change. You know, if the power happens to be off and they have to do it the old-fashioned way, or or you try to help them out by by giving them $2.10 rather than getting 90 cents back, they're sitting there struggling. What do I do? How do I make change for this? But it amazes me even more. It, It makes me wonder even more when people show the difficulty that they have of making changes in their lives. Sometimes we have to make those changes in our life. Number four, we must consider meeting our goal something that must be worked on daily. Something that we must work on daily. I can't set a goal on January 1st and expect to wait until December the 30th or the 31st to start working on that goal. I may have made it to the end, but what have I accomplished? I've got to work on it daily. And then number five, we must not leave God out of our goals by forgetting to ask Him for His help in attaining them. God has to always be in the picture. Now as we close, I want to give about three sports analogies. Number one, let me back up here. Number one, getting to second base will not add a point to the score. You're only halfway there. Dribbling down to half court won't add any points to the score when you're playing basketball. You're at half court. You're halfway. Driving to the 50-yard line doesn't give anybody a touchdown, does it? It's only halfway there from one goal to the other goal. What good if every sports team, whether it's baseball or basketball or football or you could go on with track or whatever, what good, how, how much of a winning season would they have if they never went past halfway? If no runner ever got past second base on your baseball team, how many runs would you score? If no runner ever got past second base, how many runs would you score? (laughs) I know exactly how many you would score. That many. 
If every basketball player just dribbled to the fifty or to the half court and never shot a goal, how many points would that team score? That many. If every football team consistently, when they got the ball, drove to exactly the 50-yard line and then had to punt, never passing the 50-yard line, how many points would they score? There might be a good field goal kicker that could kick 60 yards, a little more than 60 yards, but I doubt it. And so that too would be right there. You can't stop halfway. We just can't do it. Some do stop halfway. They stop halfway in their obedience to God. Acts chapter 16, verses 30 through 34. Then he brought them, this is the jailer at Philippi, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That sounds good, doesn't it? If he believed in the Lord, he would be saved. And a lot of people want to stop reading this passage right there. They want to stop halfway and leave the jailer halfway there. But we go on, verse 32, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. Now if we stopped at verse 31, when they said, all you got to do is believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved, let me ask you a question. What was he to believe about the Lord Jesus? It's not until after we get past that point that he's told about Jesus. Verse 32, they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their wounds, and was baptized at once. He and all his family. Then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. It's not until after he's told that he can believe. When he's told, we know that there's something that he's told to do. Be baptized. He goes that very same hour of the night and does that. And it's not until after we find that that he is called a believer. He didn't stop halfway. We can't either. Sometimes people stop halfway even after having become a Christian. They stop halfway. They, they fail to do the things that Christians do. Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 2 at verse 10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. It seems sometimes people think that once they come up out of the water, we're done and everything's good. I can, I can go back to life now and I don't have to do anything. But there's a whole Christian life to live. A whole life set out before us. We don't want to stop halfway to having salvation and we don't want to stop halfway once we've been baptized and had our sins washed away. We don't want to stop halfway in this new year. You see, Tira 
He stopped halfway. And he never made it to Canaan. But we don't have to be like Terah. We can move on. We can go on. And we must. We must not stop halfway. It may be this morning that you need to respond to the Lord's invitation to put your Lord on in baptism, to have your sins washed away. It may be that there's something amiss in your life that you need to correct. If that is the case, either one of those or if there's anything that we can do, why don't you come right now as we stand and sing. Hark the gentle voice of Jesus you today. Father, we're thankful for your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you for his death, burial, and resurrection. We thank you for this bread that we're about to take that represents his body in a manner well-pleasing unto you. In Christ's name, amen. Father, thank you for this cup that represents the blood of our Lord and Savior. May we also partake of it in a manner well-pleasing unto you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Father, we're thankful that we have jobs, that we can make a living. 
We're thankful, Father, that we have the opportunity and the privilege of giving back to the church for the work of the church. Help us never to shirk. Everything we have belongs to you. Help us to give cheerfully, willingly for the work of the church to lead souls to you. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you, Brother Mark, for a great first lesson of the of the new year. That was so helpful and so glad I got to hear that one. And, and hopefully we can apply that uh, as, as we go forward. Uh, thank you again for your presence. Uh, so thankful that you all were able to come today and be with us. And uh, pray that we will be able to uh, invite more and, and uh, move forward as we move into the new year and uh, get back to some type of normalcy. Uh, if you were not able to pick up a bulletin. They're out on the back and uh, on the tables. As you go out the door, grab one of those. We have quite a few of our members and those in our community, those of our friends, family that are that are sick, that are shut in, those that are uh, that are having uh, procedures done in the hospital, anything like that, and those that have lost loved ones uh, that are asking for our prayers. Uh, a couple that we need to add to that: uh, Johnny Shoemate. Um, passed away this past week and that is the grandfather of Jessica Atkins he will be they will have a funeral on Tuesday and that will be a grave uh, graveside service also Bill Key uh, is the son of Kelly Key um, it was a member here for a long time and uh, Bill has been diagnosed with cancer so remember that family in your prayers as well they're asking for our prayers uh, please make plans, if you have not, to be with us this afternoon at 5 o'clock uh, for our virtual uh, evening worship and on Wednesdays at 6.30 for our midweek Bible study. And that's also virtually. And then we'll plan to be back here next Sunday at 10 o'clock uh, again here at the building for our Sunday morning worship together. Uh, are there any more announcements that I need to make? So uh, let's start 2021 off uh, right and go all the way. Um, and just uh, strive to stay safe and to spread the gospel to as many as we can. Luke will come and close us at this time. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity in which we've been able to worship you today worship you today and we pray that you would please be with those who are going through difficult times in their lives and we pray that you would be with this country and that you would be with the church and we pray that you would forgive us of our many sins and help us to live our lives for you and we're so thankful for your son Jesus Christ who came and gave his life on the cross for us and it's in his name we pray amen <clears throat> 